Thank you, worship team. And um, man, thank you, everybody who's here. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day and, and coming and worshiping with us. Uh, I, just, I just love that and uh, love you guys. Uh, you, you treat me so, so well as a pastor, and uh, I'm, I'm blessed. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you will be in your church today, God, in, in every heart. Speak to us. Teach us, rebuke, correct, train us in righteousness, motivate us, Lord, to be a light for you, and we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. A couple weeks ago, uh, we learned that Jesus' first sign, because a sign and a miracle aren't always the same thing. A sign is pointing to something, right? It's literally what a sign is. It informs you this way, that way. You're there. Uh, He gave a sign. It was his first sign in Galilee that he was the Messiah, and this was turning water into wine. Uh, Today, I want to cover the second sign that he is the Messiah, and it's important for a lot of reasons. We'll get there. Go with me to John chapter 4. I'll be in John chapter 4, verse 46, and uh, the scriptures will be behind me on the screen. No one expected you to walk in a Bible scholar today, okay? Uh, In fact, we assume that you don't have everything together. We assume uh, that you woke up even with a little bit of self-hatred, self-loathing. You don't like the body you're in and pretty suspect about the people in your life as well. That's what we assume. Uh, So, if that is you, welcome. This is the train wreck we call home, and we love it here. We hope that you do too. Uh, John chapter 4, verse 46. John is an eyewitness to Jesus. He was one of the 12 apostles. He walked with Jesus. He was the youngest, and he is going to be the last one alive. Uh, John is a very credible voice, and here is his story. 46, he went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. Speaking about Jesus, he went to Cana of Galilee. Now, you have pretty much what looks like in your mind modern-day Israel today, and the north is going to be uh, Galilee. So it's kind of a section of Israel, and there are multiple cities there, okay? And he's going to go again to a place in Galilee called Cana. It's the same place where he turned water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. Capernaum is another city in Galilee, okay? It's about a 17-mile journey from Capernaum to Galilee. So uh, a royal official whose son is sick is going to walk 17 miles to go see Jesus, all right? Now, Galilee is where Jesus will spend the majority of his time. Because the most religious place is Jerusalem. And here's what we know about super religious places. They can't hear anything because they've all got it figured out already. Okay? So we spoke about that at length uh, last week. Uh, But Jerusalem doesn't want to hear it. Uh, Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, doesn't want to hear it. Okay? So Jesus will go to the people who do want to hear it, and he will spend the majority of his time, and he will do the majority of his miracles in Galilee. 
All right? Now, a man is going to come to him, a royal official. We do not know, because he's a royal official, uh, we do not know if he is a Jew or a Gentile. So that part is not clear. I cannot comment on it. Verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son since he was about to die. Okay? Now, this story is from the Bible, and the Bible is written for you, but it is not written to you. When we talk about Samaria, when we talk about uh, Assyrians, Babylonians, all of these things that we talk about, this is in the Middle East, okay? These are not white people. This is not American culture. These people do not have prerequisite knowledge that you have. If this is your first time in church ever, you still, through some sort of pop culture references, uh, Russell Crowe's horrible rendition of Noah, whatever it is, you have some version in your mind of Christianity. You live in a country that was, and take this with a grain of salt, founded on Christian principles, and those are the things, and people are getting all over social media and blaming God for being immoral at, at times in the Old Testament, which is just, oh my gosh, um, so much is just uninformed. But the funny thing is they are using Christian morality and principles to blame God for Christian morality and principles, okay? Uh, this is not how the world operated. The world has largely been on might makes right. The world at this time also, you have to understand, uh, Israel is under Roman rule, and the Romans who took over the Greeks both were polytheists. They believed in many gods. So all of these, uh, Zeus, Jupiter, Athena, Venus, all of these were, were gods who kind of shaped the way that this culture viewed religion. And if you look at the story of these gods, for them to act upon someone, they had to come down and visit, right? So for... Uh, for Hercules to be born, a god literally had to come down to a woman. You know many of these stories, again, from some sort of pop culture, from Hollywood, from something, but this is the shape of the people's minds. Right in the middle of them, you have a theistic group, a group who believes in one god. You have these Hebrew people, right? And they believe in one god. It's a very clashing cultures, very, very different views. Now, we have this man who comes from the royal court, and he hears about Jesus turning the water into wine and doing some other things. Remember when Jesus was in Nazareth, he couldn't do many, he wouldn't do many miracles there because the people had no faith. They're like, isn't this Joseph's son? And so all Jesus did at that point was just heal a few sick people. That's funny that that's just all he did, right? He just is like, I'm out of here. And on the way out, he's like Oprah giving cars. He's like, you get a new arm. You get a new lung, right? It is kind of funny to me, but he doesn't do as much there as he normally would. But that is enough for a man whose son is dying. 
That is enough for a man whose son is dying. When we have trouble, we look for an answer. He didn't come 17 miles because he wanted to meet Jesus. He didn't come 17 miles on foot because he was thinking about his future. He was in desperation, and many of you have had your time when you walked 17 miles to meet Jesus, when you got down on your knees to pray, when you couldn't eat, when you couldn't think of anything else, and there was somebody's testimony, some story, and you said, it's worth a try, I'm desperate. That is the way most of us come to faith. Now, This is a little odd in our culture because according to pop culture Christianity, we don't actually need to walk 17 miles to Jesus. We just need to believe for it. And hold on before you throw anything at me because I know that's your new favorite song. But... He didn't know what to believe for. He didn't have the New Testament in hand. He didn't understand how Jesus worked. If a God ever came to earth, you had to have that God present to do anything. And typically they were very moody gods who generally came because someone was in trouble or because they were annoyed or to enslave someone or to take a woman This was written for you. It is not written to you. Their culture had no context for what Jesus would be like. So a God, or if you're a Hebrew, God came to earth. Man, that, and that's wild. You understand that's why they tried to kill Jesus is for claiming to be God. So God is going to come to earth. What is he going to be like? So this man goes to him to meet him and say, you've got to come with me. So he had hope. Hear this. He had hope that Jesus could do something. He didn't know what. He didn't know how it would work. And for most of human history, we have always looked for something very mystic. It's no different now. He's not sure what to expect, but he has hope. Does he have faith yet? Maybe a little, I don't know. I don't know, but we're, we're going to get to the word faith in just, just a moment. In verse 48, Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That's an odd response. Jesus, my son is about to die. You've got to come with me. Unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Why did Jesus say this? Well, first of all, why did the man need him to walk back the 17 miles? If he's truly God, can he take care of it from where he's at? Man probably doesn't know that. 
Again, his frame of reference for a God coming to earth was not your frame of reference for God coming to earth. He's in the Middle East. <laughs> okay? He's under Roman rule. But Jesus is about to do something that is a sign that he is God. See, it's not just a sign that he is a prophet. Because in the Old, in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah is going to lay over a young boy and breathe into him, and the boy is going to come back to life. But Elijah had to be there. Also, this man has put everything into what happens next. I've heard about this Jesus. He might be the answer. I'll go find out. And if his son is not healed, there's no room for Jesus to still be the Messiah. And a lot of us put that pressure on God, which he does not carry. And there's a problem with that, and we'll talk about that in just a moment as well. Let's keep going. Verse 49. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. Now he can believe for it. Do you understand? Now he can believe what Jesus told him because Jesus told him. And we have a world claiming the promises that were maybe never told to them. Hang with me. While he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus performed after he came to believe uh, after he came from Judea to Galilee. Okay, so this was the second sign. How was this a sign? Because Jesus is going to heal someone remotely, and only God can do that. God does that from his throne. All of these other religions, someone has to come down and physically be with you, touch with you, be with you to heal you, to help you, to punish you, to anything you. Or maybe they'll throw lightning down and just try to add chaos. Jesus is going to specifically heal and he's going to do it remotely. And only God can do that. And this is Jesus showing that he is from God. Now you read this and this doesn't make him the Messiah to you, but again, this is because you're an American, okay? This was wild for them. He walks back and he's like, how'd he do that? He didn't even touch him. He's never met him. He wasn't there. He was 17 miles away. I just left him. One o'clock in the afternoon is exactly when I talked to Jesus, and he was healed 17 miles away. No one had seen anything like this. You know why? Because it's impossible. It's a little thing to us, but this is earth-shaking 
to them. This is proof. This is a sign I am the Messiah. Now, let's go back to this. The man believed what Jesus told him. So that means the man has faith. You're like, Pastor, that's a reach. Actually, the New Testament is written in Greek, and believe and faith come from the same root word. Okay? It's a noun and verb form of the same thing. So the question is begged, what do you believe in? The man had hope that maybe Jesus could heal his son, but he had no word to believe. He doesn't know Jesus yet. Maybe Jesus is just like, I don't like little boys. Maybe Jesus is like, hey, it's because you're a bad person. It's because you work for Herod, because Herod was no walk in the park. He was a terrible person, and you're working for him. I'm not healing your kid. Maybe it's just, it's just worth going to see, because without intervention, my son will die. And so he had hope, and so many of you pray a prayer of hope. God, I hope that you will do this. I need this. I want this. And I have hope that you will be there. But what do we have faith in? And the problem is too many people are putting faith into something that Jesus never said that he would do. And then we discredit, discount, exclude God because he didn't come through with what he never said he would do. And that's not fair. That's not Christianity. And it's not faith. Don't get a hope of faith and a hope of prayer. Uh, don't get a, a, a prayer of hope and a prayer of faith confused. All right? Listen to Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Faith comes through what is heard. Until you hear it, you can't believe for it. Does it make sense? Now, this is contrary to some of the things that you've heard before, and, and let me tell you, this is because we need to make a distinction. See, there is a general will of God that applies to all of us, and you can believe for that. There is a specific will to God that applies to one of us at a time, and only one can believe in that. Let me, let me help you. James chapter 1, verse 5. Scripture will be on the screen. Hang with me. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Any of you, any of you, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Take it to the bank. He'll do it. He wants you to have wisdom. Wisdom is from God. God wants you to be close to him. If anyone in here asks for wisdom, he will do it. You can believe for it. God, I don't have wisdom in it. Pray, fast, go to the Lord. Get in the scripture. Get off of, off of social media and TV in the world for a minute and just be with God. He will bring you wisdom. You can believe for it. Who? All of you. It applies to everyone. It is the general will of God. Jesus said that he came that all may be saved. Who can be saved? All of you. It is the general will of God. 
But listen to Genesis chapter 15, verse 4 through 6. This is God speaking to Abraham. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. And then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abraham believed the Lord and, it credited it, and he credited it, it to him as righteousness. It was God's specific will that Abraham start a nation that be a kingdom of priests to the rest of the world. Can you believe for that? No, that doesn't apply to you. You had this kid, but I'm going to pass a blessing through this kid as you are 75 years old. Well, Abraham was told he'd have a kid at 75, so I'm going to have a kid at 75. I believe for it. You cannot have faith in that because it was not told to you. That was specific to Abraham. Make sense? And so we have TV evangelists going around telling you about praying for a new Lexus with black on black interior and all these things. And like, that is not, did you hear that from the Lord? Then quit sending that dude money. That ain't for you. That is a specific will of God, specifically for someone else. Tell me this, tell me this. I have, I have some horses. Thank you, love. And um, I have children, and so I have one horse uh, who's super calm and chill, and he's for the kids, and then I have one horse who likes to kill humans, and she's for me. And, uh, but one thing, you know, is, like, everyone can ride a horse in my house, but I've got one horse that's for everyone, and one horse that's for me and, and J.D. when the horse is being good. And so everyone can ride a horse, but I'm not letting the little ones get on the horse that's a little rambunctious, right? And the other thing is, uh, when you ride, uh, we don't want anyone being drugged to death, and so this is a requirement, right? You have to have boots because a boot is designed for a stirrup so that your heel will not come. This is a terrible example because I grabbed a walking boot, but so that your, so that your foot will not go all the way through the stirrup and, and make you, you know, if you fall, be drugged to death by a horse. And so everyone needs to wear boots. That is a general will of mine. I enforce that on the whole house. However, only one person can wear these. So the general will is that you wear boots, but only one can wear these because this is specific to one person. Everyone needs to wear boots, but this boot only belongs to one person. So if Tim the body or Tom the bodyguard want to wear this boot and they believe for it, it doesn't really matter. It's not for them. You can have some boots, but you can have that one. Is this helping? Will you be the father of a nation? <laughs> if that's what God wants for you, if he hasn't told you that, don't believe for it. There was no possible way that my wife and I should have adopted from Poland. 
We did not have the money to do it. My son cost more than I made in an entire year. And somehow, by the time we got him, he was paid off. I didn't even have to finance my own son. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Why? Because God made provision. I can give you miracle after miracle. And not like miracle like, oh, this is, it all worked out somehow. We don't know. I'm talking like, this should not have happened. This was supernatural. This came out of nowhere. I can give you miracles on why this happened. Why? Because the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to my wife. I, I knew that God had adopted me. I wanted to be like Jesus, and I knew the closest thing I could ever do to be like Jesus is to adopt because he adopted me. I was unworthy. I was undeserving. I'm not even a Jew. And so the closest to Jesus I could ever be was to be a, a, a parent, it was to adopt. That was just as, as, as good as I could do. God spoke that into my heart when I was 18 years old, and I pushed and pushed and pushed and began to pray for my wife for this, and, and God began to answer that prayer. And so as we uh, wanted to adopt, we didn't have a lot of... Um, we didn't have a lot of money, and so there were a lot of places you can't adopt from here, you can't adopt from there. We, we, tried to, uh, we, we wanted to fill all of these needs. We tried to adopt from Russia. They closed the doors on that. Uh, we were trying to adopt from Moldova, and, and all of these things weren't working, and finally we just gave up. And one day I was supposed to go to work, but I went into a field and I began to pray, and my wife called me, and uh, she said, I've been praying all morning. I said, that's funny, so have I. And she said, I was praying about adoption. I said, that's funny, so have I. And she said, as soon as I got up off of my knees, the phone rang. I picked up the phone and it said, hello, my name is Victoria, and I'm from this adoption agency, and I heard you guys are looking to adopt. I want to tell you about our brand new pro program to adopt from Poland, right? And, and, and then pretty soon we get this, and I th we, are, we are the fastest adoption we have ever heard of. We were not making... Uh, much money, like I said, my son cost more money than I was making in a year, and he was paid for in a year. Uh, everything that happened was so miraculous. Why? Because I believed, Lane believed, the specific will of God for our lives. And so what would it be if I got up here and I told you every one of you are supposed to go adopt from Poland today because I heard that word from the Lord? It would fall through for almost everyone. Okay? God told me, and I'm just using me because I'm the only stories I got. If God said, I want you to go plant a church in Ranger. Listen, we were just we we were getting turned down by everybody. We couldn't go anywhere. I mean, when I was when I was riding around Ranger, uh, just praying about where God would, you know, pray, I was praying over people and all these things. And man, I had a pit bull just shred my leg. People have tried to kill me. People have tried to whip me. They've tried to fight me. They've tried to. Uh, I had a dude sling paint all over me one time, cussing me out. Uh, we we were denied so many buildings. We, all of these things happened. We had no money and our pets' heads were falling off. 
a guy who mentored me brought me up here to, to Ranger, and I said, man, we, we don't, we're, we've started this church, we're just running out of room, and I said, here's a few places that we could maybe buy one day if we ever had the money to do it. We don't have the money, and he said, you need all three of them, man, you need all three. Uh, that happened to be this building, which we did not own, the lot next door, which is um, uh, our parking now, and the lot behind us, uh, which is now our event center and more parking. And I said, that's, we kind of, my wife and I, we, we wanted to be super spiritual, but we also laughed because we're immature, and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. We'll just do all three. We'll just buy the whole city while we're at it. <laughs> and next, we'll end world hunger, right? I mean, it was, it was out, of the, out of the question. The next day, I get a call. Meet me for lunch. I go to meet him for lunch, and they said, we heard what you're doing. It's somebody that you guys have probably never met in your whole life. And they said, we want to give you $50,000. I had no idea that was coming. We began to pray, God, we need all three of these properties the next day. And so you're like, oh, Pastor Jared, you've done such a good job. I didn't do this. I believed a specific word from God now, how specific? If you go to pizza with pastor one day, I will give you the entire story, and you will come away with a new view of me, and it's not good. I said no to coming here 10 times, and God said, go, 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 go. Miraculously. After the 10th time, which by the way is the number of testimony, that is the only way I can make myself look good in this story. <laughs> It's a spiritual number. Uh, but it was my, just, I, I, I was out thanking God. And uh, it didn't work well for me. But after he said, go here 10 times, we went, and everything has always appeared before we ever knew that it would be needed. So if I tell you, go start a church in Ranger, and God's not in it, it will fail but I believed for it. Did God tell you to do it? Now, what I don't want you to walk away with is discouragement. I actually, if I could put this into a package, let me tell you why this is super helpful to you. Because if you're honest, you're holding some things against God. Because he didn't come through on it. But also, if you're honest, he never told you he was going to do that. And so we're mad at God for not something that he didn't come through on, but on something that I wanted that didn't happen. And that's okay. There are things that we want, we want it real bad, and you're not bad for wanting that. And God said, I have some sort of morally sufficient wisdom to overrule you on this. I never told you this would happen, and we're still angry about it. Here's the bad side of this. If you hear me wrong today, you'll walk away saying, hey, I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm not supposed to go do ministry. I'm not, I'm not supposed to, because I never heard that from God. no. Because the general will of God applies to everyone. He says, 
how? I read you Romans 10, 17, so faith comes through what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message of God. In Romans chapter 10, in this very passage, in the same context of where this is, he said, how will people know unless they hear? Jesus told the disciples, come and be a fisher of men, and then in John 17, he prayed that you would do the same thing. Jesus has told you to go out and fish for men. Jesus has told you to go out. There's a general will of God that every one of us are supposed to fulfill. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you truly love your neighbor as yourself, if, if, if this were a cliff and there's one bridge into the kingdom of heaven and everything else dives off to destruction, if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, you will be going, the bridge is over here. Don't take that door. There's nothing on the other side of it. I know that it's sexy. It's romantic. It looks good. There's a party. They've got bass going, and it looks like you need to go through that door, but it is death. This is the bridge. I love you. You have to come here. And they will open the door and fall off all day long going, you're a bigot. Ah! You're a sexist, you're a homophobe, you're a, and, 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 and they will tell you, but because you love your neighbor as yourself, you will say, please try it, please try it. This is the way. That is the general will of God for all of us. How that works out, where that works out, what it will look like for you is a specific will of God that he has for you, and if you don't know it, baby, it's time to fast. It's time to pray. It's time to get on your knees and say, God, what do you want me to do? And then just start doing. He'll steer you. You be sensitive. He'll steer you. And you will see miracles. You will see provision. You know, I have a highlight reel of miraculous things that I have seen. And uh, I, there's actually something I've never told you all at large uh, because it's not my opening. If you don't know me enough to believe me, uh, it's, it would make me sound like a complete quack. I have that. Does it happen often? But I have those stories. And you know what every one of those stories have in common? I was in a bind. I was in a bind and I was following Jesus and there was something that was far out of my control, way out of my hands, and he had to come and intervene. Why? Because I was following the will of God and he made provisions for it. If you're following the will of God for your life, <laughs> your success has very little to do with you. You know what? Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come up because I'm going to give you something right now. I started not to preach this message because there's something I'm still very confused about. I don't know if it's a mystery that I will ever get to the bottom of. I'm confused about healing. See, most all scholars will tell you there's a general and a specific will of God. But some of them will put healing in the general will of God and some will put healing in the specific will of God. And where am I? I mean, the I don't know. Have we seen people healed in this place? Absolutely. Will we continue to pray a prayer of hope over people being healed in this place? Absolutely. If God tells us this person will be healed, we will pray a prayer of faith 
over that. But there is so much scripture saying bring them and the elders will pray over them, will anoint them with oil, and the sick person will be healed. And so I don't have a great understanding of that. Hopefully God will give me that. I, I think that some of you who are thinking through what I'm saying, that's your number one question. So I want to tell you right now, I don't know I'm working on it. I've been working on it for about 20 years, but I'm farther now. I'll let you know when I get there. So I'm a little confused about that, but here's what I know. Everything that you have heard God speak to you, he has been faithful in. Everything that God has spoken to me, everything that he has told me that he would do, he has been faithful and he has come through every single time. Do I have the answer to everything? Absolutely not. All I can do is take you as far as I am, and I don't know how far that is, but come on which is what you will do with people as well. And that is what made me decide to go ahead and preach this because I tell you all the time, you can't take people all the way, you can take them as far as you are. That's what I'm doing with you right now. But hopefully it is a relief to you that you can, not that God was ever on the hook, but like in your mind and heart, God was on the hook because he didn't come through for something. But if I can admit to myself that what I didn't see answered was not a prayer of faith, but a prayer of hope, and God had a morally sufficient reason not to see that through that I just don't understand yet, I can be okay with that. But if he has told you that he will do it, and I ask God to confirm four ways. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Dusty's like, dude, don't, don't call us up there just to pray, play for 30 minutes. I gotta say this. You're like, well, how do I, how do I know? How do I hear? I've done tons of sermons over this, but I'm just going to leave you this, and then I'm, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to do it. God, what is your specific will for me? Four things. Write this down. Get your note cards. I want you to write this down, okay? I, I'm gonna, you're going to ask God for all four of these, not one of the four, two of the four, three of the four, all four, four of four of these things. If you want to know God's specific will, he can speak to you in many other ways. God has spoken to, to us through dreams, through visions, through all of these things, but here are ways that God will always speak and that he has always been faithful to me to do all of these things. I got this from another pastor. This did not come from me. And I have made good on it, and God has made good on it because I have followed this. He will always speak through the Bible. Okay, what is your specific will to me? He will give you a, a, a verse, and it will burn into your heart. Okay? He will answer prayer. So prayer in the Bible. I'm not doing our normal four thing, okay? The, the next thing. Circumstances. He's going to shut a lot of doors. He just is. He's going to be like, no, 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 you were going the wrong way. Let me realign you here. Fellow believers. Easy. A lot of false prophets out there. A lot of false prophets out there. But a fellow believer, somebody in the kingdom of God will come and they will speak into your life. Ask God for all four. And when you get a specific will of God, have faith. He will come through. I hope that's helpful. Lord, I pray that you will be with us today. I pray, Lord, that you will just uh, resonate within our hearts what you want us to hear. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for healing this young man remotely and, and proving, God, just through signs, 
once again, which you will do more times through the scripture, that you are the Messiah. We believe that you are the Messiah and that you have a will for us, God. You have a, you have a set of boots to fit every person in here, God. And I just pray that we find it and that we, we put it on and we carry it out in faith. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys, the uh, uh, baskets are going to come forward. Part of the way we uh, worship is with tithe and offering. So um, please uh, put that in there. But you have a connection card. Let us know what you're going through, what we can pray for uh, with you. Uh, if you have any questions, anything like that, put it on there, put it on the basket. Better yet, prayer team, if you all go ahead and make your way to the front, we have a prayer team. They would love to pray for you. Uh, they'll be here in the front. They have buttons on so you'll recognize them. And so please come during worship or, or even after service. They'll be here to pray with you. So please come and uh, pray with them. And then I will not be closing. So I want to say this. I cannot wait. I, can't, I'm, I know I'm supposed to say this. I cannot wait to study Daniel with you. There is not a book in the Bible. Listen, there's not a book in the Bible that has more already fulfilled prophecy than the book of Daniel. You cannot understand Revelation without Daniel. You don't understand most of the Bible without Daniel. It is incredibly interesting and very, very informative, practically for your life and for your understanding of uh, what God is doing in our time right now. Okay, Uh, having said all of that and shutting up now, please stand and worship with us.